I'm Stephen, he's Chris, and this is a special bonus episode of Mobile Arcade Club. Normally, we choose a game per episode to talk about, and we'll be back to that format next time. But in this special bonus episode, we were lucky enough to speak with Austin Ivansmith, the director of Marble Knights. We hope you enjoy! Thank you very much, uh, Austin, for joining us on the, the Mobile Arcade Club. Um, so for those who haven't played yet, which it's their folly, uh, what is Marble Knights? Uh, Marble Knights is a uh, four-player uh, action-adventure game for Apple Arcade. Uh, it's an original title by Way Forward, and um, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I know you gentlemen reviewed it. Uh, you did a little podcast on it a while back, and... Uh, that was a lot of fun to listen to because, yeah, I haven't heard many people talk about Marble Knights. Usually it's people on the Internet saying, when's it coming to Switch? Not anyone actually talking about having played it. And um, you guys gave it a real fair shake. And it was really it was really neat hearing you talk about it because it resonated with you the way I hoped it was going to resonate with with people. And um, you, know, you called it out as a family game. And it, and it definitely is. It's something I've got three kids uh, ages five to nine. And they were my uh, cohorts in lockdown. Uh, when I needed to do multiplayer testing, they were there for me. And so we were doing four player. We had four Steel Series controllers connected to the Apple TV, playing the game and just having a blast for the for the most part. So, um, yeah, it was uh, that's 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 Marvel Knights. Yeah, gosh, aside from the you know whole lockdown situation, that sounds like a, a dream multiplayer testing situation, at least. It could be. It could be. You know, it, it's great because you know you have you know you have uh, a winner when your kids keep wanting to play the mini game. You know, so we we would would play some of the the story mode, the quest mode, and they would start fighting because one would fall off a ledge. They weren't waiting for the other one. <laughs> Someone was going too far ahead, so it definitely had that you know Zelda four swords kind of mess with the other person vibe. Um, and then they'd want to go play bowling or they'd want to go try one of the new mini games, which are which are all out now. You know, there there's there's a total of uh, eight mini games in a battle arena mode. And um, over the course of development, you know, they were they were my testers. So, you know, we have a hockey mode in there that no one had played and, and my kids were getting into it. And we were able to tune the difficulty and tune the gameplay of it. Thanks to them. It was really great. Oh, fantastic. And yeah, as, as you've said, with you know, ongoing development of, of Marble Knight, there's been the addition of more mini games through through subsequent content updates. But one thing um, I'm really curious about, Austin, is that so you've um, played the role of director on a number of way forward titles, uh, including Marble Knights uh, as well. So as as director of the game, what, what did your role specifically entail in development? Um, so as a director... Uh, I am responsible for the creative vision of the game um, on a title like Marble Knights. And, and for a lot of the other titles I've worked on before, you know, work for higher titles that we worked with external publishers like DuckTales Remastered or uh, Thor God of Thunder or even Mummy Demastered. You have a license holder who has, you know, ideas or characters and you have to just sometimes you're, you know, you do the pitch, you, you write up a, a pitch process, um, a, a pitch document and you say, like, hey, this is what the game could be. They're like, cool, make it. And then you write a game design document. And then just you're working with the programmers. And, and you're basically doing the qualitative um, check on their work. Um, whereas, like, a producer would do the quantitative and, and checking dates. So it's usually um, we, we can be a producer's worst nightmare 
from time to time because it's like, oh, just we just got to tune this. We got to tune one one more thing. Um, but I, I try not to be <laughs> that difficult for my producers. But that's that's generally um, what the role of a director is. And and in, in terms of Marvel Knights, because it's an original way forward title, um, our uh, internal uh, publishing group sort of created the characters and created the brand. Matt Bozon, um, the co-creator of Shantae, um, and you know, creator of of a number of other internal titles um, at Way Forward. Uh, came up with this concept a long time ago, um, you know, always with the intention of having phones as controllers and sort of using the tilt mechanic. Um, and so that's always sort of been like the main conceit. Like, it'd be really cool to like do the, you know, marble on a uh, table puzzle, like those maze puzzles with all the holes in them you have to get through and pass to get one end to the other. And that was sort of the original conceit with that. That mixed with um, Zelda Four Swords was always sort of the, the, the intent. Um, and so, yeah, he came up with a bunch of characters and um, we had an opportunity with Apple. They approached us and said, Hey, we have this new um, thing coming out. We didn't know what it was called at the time. It became Apple arcade and we gave them a few titles and, and um, Marvel Knights was one of them. So, um, and it's, it's yeah, been, been a lot of fun. Yeah. And with, with the sort of, Early ideation of of Marble Knights, uh, we read uh, a really interesting uh, interview you did with Pocket Gamer Biz, uh, which was a, a really good read about you know some of the the early concepts for Marble Knights and inspirations and that sort of thing. And that's uh, where reading it, we we saw that the sort of idea had existed for Marble Knights since as early as 2014, uh, as you were saying, a way of using smartphones or remotes as as a way of controlling the game. Um, so. Can you elaborate on sort of what went into those early pitches and early prototypes for what eventually became Marble Knights? You know, there's there's not a whole lot there. What, what ends up happening is, you know, we, when we're working, you know, at the office, uh, as you do, you know, when you when you work. Yeah, back when <laughs> we could office. do that. <laughs> back when you could do that. Okay. So these days you work, you're working at your office at home. You're, you're living at work. Um, but, you know, we. We as game developers, uh, game developers are also huge gamers and game fans. And so you see new hardware, you see the announcement of the 3DS, you go, oh my gosh, like, what can we do? How can we use that? You know, you see all these different devices, um, you hear about, you know, different companies getting into the gaming sphere and you go, wow, you know, what, what's their console going to be like? What's their, you know, opportunity going to be? And you get excited because you're like, man, wouldn't it be neat to make something really cool for that, you know, particular platform. And so... Um, but there's always ideas buzzing around, especially, you know, when you have a lot of creative people in close proximity, um, or even not in close proximity, like just working together constantly, you're, you're bouncing ideas and you just come up with like neat things from time to time. And that's just what Marble Knights was. It was a concept, a couple sketches that just stuck around. And we have a number of those. We have, you know, a good dozen pitches that we've brought up at different times that, could potentially be a classic title and, and it's just, you only have so many hours in the day and, and so many people available <laughs> to make something that, you know, sometimes you wait until the time is right. So the moment you need to start making something, you don't go, Oh shoot, we got to come up with an idea out of nowhere. You kind of have, you know, someone's in the back of your mind. They're like, Hey, maybe this one would work for that, you know? And then you revisit it and you expand on it. You know, Marble Knights definitely didn't look like um, how it does now. Uh, in the original concepts, there were some lo- looser sketches, 
Um, the enemies weren't really fleshed out. It's just, you know, just you, you do a couple little thumbnails and, and see, see what it turns into, basically. But um, the, the heart of it is still there. And then it was just, um, you know, again, going back to the previous question, as a director sort of taking those high concepts and extrapolating them into, you know, a game. And like with like, you know, eight worlds, you know, 20 enemies, 10 playable characters and what their personalities are, stuff like that. You have to build on that. Yeah, definitely. And then with with Apple Arcade, uh, as as you said, you know, even, even before it was known as as Apple Arcade, what what was it about the service that uh, attracted you to to pitching Marble Knights to the service? So why why um you know the the original idea back in twenty fourteen? What was it about the set of circumstances that led you to believe yes, this is a game for Apple Arcade? I think it mostly came down to the sort of party game tilt controller uh, atmosphere on it. And, you know, I, I don't know. And it was an awesome opportunity because, you know, Apple came to us and said, hey, how would you like to make some games? You know, and it's like, hey, yeah, we'd love to. <laughs> so it was it was it was an opportunity and an excuse to go like, hey, we can make that now. And it just so happens that Apple devices, you know, they have the tilt control. And that was our initial thinking, you know, it's. And, and as you pointed out in your previous review that, you know, we, we led with the touch control because um, the, the tilt control works well, but I don't think it's the most ideal manner um, in interacting with the game. And I was afraid that most people don't have dealt with touch control. And if someone was going to, you know, not pay for our game, they're paying for a subscription and they turn it on and go, hey, let me check this out. And if they go to tilt control... And they're like, this is stupid, and they turn it off and never play it again. That, I, I'd, I'd be more afraid of that. Most people are familiar with a, a touch interface first. So that was that was the idea behind that. Um, but we always made sure that um, it played well on touch and it played well with tilt. And, uh, you know, most of the development team were playing with controllers connected to their PCs, you know, because you're developing, we're developing the game in Unity, and you have a 360 controller or PlayStation 4 controller <laughs> connected to your computer, and, you know, you start moving around, you get used to playing it, and then you have to, you know, tell the programmer, um, well, have you, have you tried fighting this enemy on a phone? It's like, oh, no, I haven't. And it's like, oh, this is hard. It's like, yeah, we should dial it back a little bit, you know, <laughs> make it a little easier, make it a little more fair. Um, and it's really interesting because you, you guys talked about the, the slopes and ramps. And I feel like when you are using a controller, it you definitely don't feel the momentum as much. It's still there. It's just not not as strong. But also we need a, 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 an effort to make sure you were never quite fighting the world, right? So if you, you, if you go on a ramp and you stop, you don't roll down it. You stand still. Like these are characters with agency. They are on spheres, but they have control over it, right? So they are, they're on the spheres and they are choosing, I am standing on this ramp. It's not completely controlling me. So, um, and, and when we do have moving platforms and, and more of a puzzle element to move around the world, we don't really have enemies that are fighting you at the same time because that becomes kind of like more of an unfair challenge and it's just not fun. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I saw that you um, cited Super Monkey Ball as one of the inspirations towards the game. And I think it's interesting to compare to that in that that game was a lot about the level defeating you most of the time if you're anything like me. And I yeah, quite appreciated that while the 
the playing around and actually moving around in Marble Knights shared a bit of you know DNA of the momentum. You didn't feel like the game was trying to kill you with its levels. It was just giving you a place to to roll around and have fun in. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, it's such a great example because it was we I brought my GameCube to work, hooked it up to the TV in, in the area where me and the, the programmers and our, our artists were sitting and we played Monkey Ball and we played Four Swords and I had to buy some Game Boy Advances and Link Cables so we could play like true Four Swords on the GameCube. That's dedication. And They'd be hard to come by these days. Uh, yeah, it, it was it was not the easiest, but um, I ended up getting Game Boy Advances that like didn't have the lit screens. So a couple people had sort of the cruddy old AA battery versions, which you know they weren't too expensive. Um, and then I had my my SP and someone else had their SP and the cables you can still get. You know, if people reselling them, I don't know how legit they are and how aftermarket they are but they worked and we were able to do four player of that but also monkey ball because you know that came out 2001 i remember getting it for gamecube and i loved the mini games and that and when it was time for like the 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 big thing from marble knights from day one was it needs to be a quest mode where you unlock these characters you start with four you unlock six you have 10 playable characters and there's also going to be eight mini games so it's like, oh, man, eight mini games. It's like, well, I got to play monkey ball again. And I love <laughs> monkey bowling. And I'm like, all right, we got to have bowling. We have to have bowling. <laughs> so that's why we have we have bowling in our game. So and it's one of my favorite mini games. I, I, I really like all the mini games, but that one's up there for me because I just I love bowling in real life, too. You know, kind of. I'm not like an avid bowler. It was more of a kid thing. You know? it, it's fun to do. I just walk in bowl every now and then and it's all good. I don't need to be a pro. It's still fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you just go home and make yourself feel bad because you didn't get over 100. And you're just like, I'm not good. I can't do it anymore. And you forget and do it the next week. But yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> with, the, with, you know, Super, Super Monkey Ball and, um, you know, Legend of Zelda, uh, Four Swords Adventures, uh, as inspirations for Marble Knights, what, what was it in particular about those games that drew you to them as as inspiration for for Marble Knights. What what is it about those games that you thought? Yes, these are some of the elements I want to capture in in what we're making. I think Zelda Four Swords was just kind of the most obvious because it was a four player game. I know there was also Triforce Heroes on 3DS, mm. um, which was like a three player game and had some three player puzzling. I never actually had a chance to play that one, um, but it it just had the most like one to one comparison because it was a top down fantasy adventure and you needed to work together to make it through these stages. Um, and uh, it ended up being a challenge because one of the things about um, Zelda four swords on the GameCube, uh, I don't know if, I don't know about the other iterations of it, like on uh, Game Boy Advance, you know, with like the, uh, the extra game on the, link to the past and stuff but yeah you could do um when you play solo you still can control four links and you can change their formation i believe using the c stick um so you can form into a diamond shape you can form into a line you can split off into two and two or you could tell them i think you might be able to tell them to stay and then come back i don't like pikmin style i'm not sure um i forget because it's been a couple years since we played it <laughs> but for our game it's like man how do we make something that is fun to play single player, but isn't something where you need all four players to be able to solve puzzles. Like, is it still good to play solo? 
Um, and is it pointless to play four player? Are you still working together with four player? And that was a big challenge. And, you know, we explored the idea of controlling more than one character and it just seemed frightening, you know, because it's hard enough when you're playing um, Mario 3D World and you get the cherry and you split off and it's like, oh, oh my God, I'm two Luigis. Um, and now I'm four Luigis. <laughs> it was it was it was a little scary of, of, a, of an idea. Fun. You know, like when you're not the one making it and the one responsible for it, like working and being good, it's it's a lot easier to be like, that sounds cool. It's like, yes, it does sound cool, but it's also like going to be a nightmare for for me being the person responsible for making sure it's, you know, good and fun. Um, so what we ended up doing is building the game around a, a solo experience um, and having more unlocks or more areas you could explore when you had... Um, other characters and they had their uh the different uh element types you know like fire and ice and being able to work together to unlock puzzles and get a different treasure chest to try to get more gold to be able to buy more mini games and uh things like that so that sort of became the the idea like it needs to be good solo and it's only it's better with more people one of the things that happened uh early on was when we were playing multiplayer and we were fighting enemies we were accidentally knocking each other around a lot and it became very frustrating especially when you do a charge attack and you knock back an enemy but you also knock back your your friend and you knock them off a ledge and it's like what the heck man you know <laughs> it got really <laughs> frustrating really fast um and it wasn't something we could have like foreseen uh too early on we, what we ended up doing was having different uh damage levels and knockback effects for the different play styles so there was you know cooperative where you barely knock back anyone at all you don't do any damage to them and then we had a, a mode called competitive which because everyone was like man but i love standing on this ledge and knocking you off every time you try to come up here <laughs> and it's like well you're a troll i had at least two guys i had an, uh, a level designer manny and a, a programmer uh tristan who were just total trolls with that kind of thing and um we ended up making a, a game mode out of it. That's that's where the race mode came from. Because like, I just want a mode where we can go around and knock each other off and try to stop each other. It's like, okay, well, let's let's do a race where you just try. You know, that'll be the mini game. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, Tristan, Tristan, he's gonna love this if he ever listens. Because um, <laughs> we were we we on every Friday was one of the things that I think it really helped Thor got a thunder. We did it for Ducktales as well, and we did it for Marvel Knights. Is every Friday the team would get together and um, sit around a TV. And I would play the game and give feedback. And it's also an opportunity for everyone on the team to give feedback and hear, you know, and other people get to show off what they've been working on. So it's like, hey, what do you want to, what should we see? It's like, oh, I worked on this enemy. It's okay, let's let's see it. You play it and you give feedback and other people can go like, yeah, it looks great. Or, oh, you know, it'd be really cool. I have this idea. So because anyone on the team can, you know, throw out an idea. You never know who's going to have like a, a, a really good idea that's going to stick. And um, one time we're playing bowling. Sometimes you find bugs and... Mm -hmm. Um, I said, okay, hold on, everyone. We just need to go down the lane. Don't hit anything. We like, we got to get this spare to see what happens and see if the scoring mechanics working correctly. So I think it was like the 10th frame and Tristan knocks me off the, the <laughs> lane right at the end. And we didn't do the thing I told him to do, even though I was his boss and everyone was looking around and I just, I, I just look at him and he's like kind of giggling under his breath. And it's like, you couldn't stop yourself. It's like, oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, he, he couldn't. He couldn't stop himself from doing that to me. It was, it was pretty funny in, in hindsight. We, we, you know, it was easy to test again, but it was that yeah, was really fun. We had, we had some good times. I feel a bit of solidarity with this Tristan. I know that I'm, say, I'm playing Smash Bros with a friend. <laughs> I just have this un 
it's just I can't not taunt. There's nothing I can do if I knock someone off. I can't not taunt, even if it means I'm going to die because I'm sitting there defenseless. I'll just do it. So I I can kind of understand the I don't know unconscious desire to just be a trolley person. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the the iteration you know coming from you know people trolling each other or playing marble knights and, and testing out the levels is is that sort of what then eventuated into the the snowball sumo mode as well which people are drawing lots of mario party comparisons to um yeah it, it definitely did because we, you know we looked at what we had in the game um in terms of the uh, quest mode orbs um you know we had the laser orb arena um, come out of the the laser orb, which was like the final the final orb type uh, in in uh, Lord Terrible's world, and um, you know, and I watch you know other games online. I watch uh, like GTA Five, and they have the deadline mode where it's like Tron bikes. And I was like, man, we got to do that. We got to have like our it, and we. It's funny. We actually called it. We didn't have a name for it re- originally. We're like, well, it's one part Snake and one part Tron, so we called it Snakeotron. But for the <laughs> longest time, it was just known as Snakeotron. Um, and, uh, you know, that with the snowball sumo, it actually had, I never, I tried playing Mario party once and it was around the time that smash brothers came out on N64 and my friends and I were just like, this is boring and I don't want to do these dice rolls and let's just play smash brothers. So we just played smash brothers on N64. So that was, I, I never actually got into Mario party. So, um, but you know, the other people did actually fusion frenzy was one of the, yeah, the inspirations for snowball sumo Wow, because there was a game mode in that where the platform you were in the you were in these spheres like American Gladiators, which is you know this old show from the early '90s, came on Saturday mornings after cartoons. But the platform was uh, cylindrical, and it would grow smaller and smaller and smaller until there was only room for one sphere. And we thought about doing the same thing, where it's like, but what if our snowballs got bigger, but it also got smaller? Um, and to be quite honest, Snowball Sumo, I think, could have um, been a, a much better uh, mini game, but that one was made completely in uh, lockdown. And it was like the last one we worked on. So I don't think it's as strong as the others, but it, it is still fun. But it it didn't get as much of the iterative, um, it, you know, experimentation with everyone present. It was me playing it with my kids, trying to make sure it you know played pretty good and then just um, needing to kind of, uh, let go. You know, there's, there's a phrase that, um, uh, pieces of art are never finished. They're abandoned. And I could iterate on, um, all the mini games, including snowball sumo way more than I already did. Um, but I, you know, there has to come a point where you say, uh, I need to step away and, and just let it be. It's, it's, it's in a good place. So. And of the mini games, uh, which, which one would you say is, is the one that you or the team is is most proud of or is is the one that you you keep coming back to to playing or the ones that the the kids had uh, were, were clamoring over you know want, wanting to to try and beat each other in oh yeah so i mean battle arena is great because it's it's our take on smash brothers and it can be really fun and it's fun to, when someone gets a really powerful orb and you try to swap it from them and steal it from them and knock them out of the arena um, it's just, it was sort of fun to try to make our own version of Smash, which was always really neat. Um, early on, because one of the first ones we made were bowling and basketball, and basketball was basically NBA Jam. Because I because I was thinking, like, well, we have to do a soccer game, right? And it's like, yeah, but do we have to do a soccer game? Like, we're going to be on the orbs. And I thought, what's the one thing we couldn't do? It's like, well, we definitely couldn't do NBA Jam. 
said, well, why not? Let's, <laughs> let's try it. And then we did it. And it became such a blast that we had a tournament of uh, myself and the lead programmer of the minigame against two people from QA. And we had an all no holds barred uh, tournament. I bought a trophy and uh, <laughs> the QA team won the best of best of three or best of five. And um, I was very disappointed in myself and the programmer. Uh, <laughs> and so that was, <laughs> was that it, was a was lo- it close at least. Oh yeah, it was, it was. It, it, and so, yeah, basketball was a big one. And my kids always wanted to play bombing blast because, you know, it's inspired by Bomberman, obviously. And I, I'm like, I got to do a Bomberman. We have bombs in the game. Like let's get Bomberman. Um, and then for me, you know, hockey was interesting because the, the programmer that did uh, bombing uh, basketball, he also did hockey and I just sort of gave him some parameters. And that one too was also made in lockdown. Um, but that one sort of just, magically came together and when we went back to the office um in in early june to capture video footage for it uh and we were playing it as a group like four of us in the same room on controllers it was ballistic and it was amazing and i i was just blown away by how much fun it was it's it's one of the funnest mini games if not games i've ever made like period i love the hockey mode in there so I, i i just hope more people you know, connect their PlayStation controllers and connect their Xbox controllers or get a steel series and check it out. The other great thing too, is if you have an iPad, you know, you can just connect your controllers to an iPad, you know? So it's, it's, it's really convenient. Or, you know, if you have an iPhone and someone else has a controller, you're like on an airplane or something, you can sit there and play on your phone with your thumbs and the person can sit next to you with a controller and just play, you guys can play at the same time. So we, we try to make sure that all those different modes were, were fun for everyone. Um, but yeah, that was, those are definitely some some fun mini games. It's it's re- really apt. Uh, you mentioned about you know coming together out of lockdown or working working from home and playing these games together because at the time of recording uh, here in Adelaide, we're actually in in a bit of a lockdown period at the moment. And just prior to recording, we were expressing you know how how much we'd like to be able to uh, play a bunch of these mini games on an Apple TV because uh, we haven't had the chance to play some of these mini games yet but one thing we we expressed was that um, we we really appreciated the the touch of how you unlock the games in terms of you know it does require you to play through the story mode collect gold to be able to unlock some of the mini games as well um, and Stephen I think you were saying you know it sort of harkens back to an older style of game where things aren't necessarily unlocked from the get-go which which you really appreciated didn't you yeah it's just nice having some you know obviously the playing of the game itself is a joy but then you know having something unlock as you play it it just felt like i was playing an n64 game again or something it's i don't know it's not to be you know cynical or anything but sometimes it's nice that everything's in there but you have to work for it rather than pay for it i guess it's yeah it was a really really nice way to uh, to work it out i thought it's it's really nice to hear that because that was our intent and um you know we wanted something even even when originally you know we weren't sure if we were going to have all the mini games out at launch or, or or delay the release um but you know if you had them out at the same time it's a lot easier to go oh well how do we you know have four of them locked and, and then you have to unlock the other four over time and you increase the the currency and so you know we ended up releasing i think two per update and then one of the two was always always locked and I try to make sure that it was a a value, a, a gold, a gold amount that you wouldn't uh, have to, you know, uh, grind too much for. I didn't want it to be a chore to play the game, and uh, because you know you can take it too far. Like I remember 
uh, WarioWare Smooth Moves, where we were at a party one time. It's like, let's play WarioWare. It's like, I don't have my save data. It's like, oh, crap. And so someone had to go through and play the game through single player to be able to unlock multiplayer, Hmm. you know, and, and that was, that was like, Oh man, that was awful. So (laughs) it can, it can be, it can be a balance there, but um, yeah, you know, uh, at way forward, we're big fans of, you know, classic games. And so I was, I was uh, trying to tap into that and um, I wasn't sure if it was a success or failure, but it sounds like it was. So uh, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I've got to say, I didn't expect to be talking about the GameCube as much today, but here we are. (laughs) <laughs> it's an amazing system it is i have three of them that's off topic entirely but i love the gamecube <laughs> that's not that's not off topic i i think i had four of them at one point damn oh, well I'm, I'm feeling a bit left out here only having my one but at least i did have the game boy advance <laughs> adapter so i could play game boy games on the tv there you go oh man i yeah i used to play i used to play fire emblem and advance wars on my tv all the time <sighs> yes oh, Ad- advance wars amazing. past the controller good times <laughs> Sounds amazing, but yeah. So yeah, as 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 you mentioned, Austin um, Way Forward does have a, a love and appreciation for classic styled games, and that's you know super clear in you know bringing uh, you know one of the the Shantae series over to Apple Arcade as well. And there's also uh, Spider Saws. So there's three uh, at my at my count Way Forward games on Apple Arcade. What what was it about the Apple Arcade service that drew you and the the way forward team in general to the service um i think you might have asked this already but i'll, I'll answer it again it's okay <laughs> <laughs> no it was it, it, it again it was the opportunity it's like they 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 wanted games and they they wanted multiple games and obviously you know when opportunities like this happen there's um funding that goes along with it and it's you know if if someone comes to you and says like hey what's that really cool thing you'd want to do for a while how about i pay you a little bit of money to do that you're like oh yeah let's do that you know so there's it's, it's a business agreement obviously mm. so um it 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 ties in hand in hand and we were given the biggest and best thing about it though was that we were given complete creative control it was apple coming to us and saying we are coming to you because you've made these games in the past what are some cool ideas you have? And we gave them more than those three games. We gave them a good number of them. And and then they said, we want these three. And it was like, okay. And it's like, well, so who's in, who's in charge? Like you are, you're publishing it. You own it by, by you. I mean, way forward <laughs> doing, <laughs> yep. doing some dangling modifiers there for all you English fans. <laughs> um, so, you know, Apple told us we, we had complete control over the brand. We owned whatever we made. Um, it's just they wanted it on their platform and they wanted it um, either exclusive or they wanted it on day one with um, all the other uh, platforms it was going to come out on, you know, so they could really drive this new um, this new platform they were coming out with. And I think it was great. I think it was a really smart idea. And I'm an Apple Arcade subscriber because I was making a game for it and I had a free subscription. When I got my my phone, um, but I kept it because there's so many neat games in there. My kids love playing things. Um, you know, they love sneaky Sasquatch, uh, mm. and, you know, amongst other things, cricket through the ages and it's just, <laughs> it's a fun platform. So, and, and they were such a great partner and I, I really hope way forward gets an opportunity to do more games, uh, with Apple in the future. And what was, what was Apple's level of involvement throughout the production of, of these games? Were, were they hands-on in any way or was it a rather hands-off uh, arrangement? How, how did it play out? They, they weren't completely hands-off, but it, it was, they were hands off in the in the sort of the creative aspect of it. 
Um, but they were hands-on and making sure that, you know, we were up to the level of quality they wanted to see on the platform and, you know, making sure that it was working on all the different, you know, uh, devices and, and uh, giving us support in, in, in that manner. And then also uh, just, uh, you know, keeping tabs on making sure things were coming along, you know, and, and just checking in on us. And, and it was, it was a very different experience from everything else because, you know, with, with all the other uh, titles I've done in the past, it's usually there, they have a lot more control and a lot more oversight and you're trying to appease them. Sometimes you, you're getting, you're coming up to a milestone. Like we, we delivered all our milestones and sometimes we were a little late and it's just like, Hey, we're a little late, you know? And it's like, that's fine. And it's like, you, you're, you're pretty much on track. That's okay. You know? And so it was, it wasn't um, too bad. It's kind of like, you know, paying rent to your mom in a way, you know, it's like, Hey mom, uh, my week rent's going to be a week late. It's like, all right, honey, you know, that's, that's not too bad. It's like, you know, as, as long as you still pay me, you know, we were still making the case. Still, still got to get there in them. the end. <laughs> still got to get there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, it was, it was a really good relationship because, you know, we, we were just able to make the games we wanted to make. And, and that was, um, you know, a, re- a really good experience. One one of the uh, one of the cool little little tidbits I gathered from the the Pocket Game Abyss uh, article was that uh, you collaborated with Studio Trigger for Marble Knight's opening animation. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, we we uh, again going back to like the classic games. I, I think less on Super Nintendo, more in the realm of PlayStation, where you get a really cool animated intro. Uh, I think to this day, Soul Blade slash soul edge was still so much fun for me or, or pretty much every Tekken game you're speaking um, my language you- i soul blade <laughs> is one of those games that i couldn't every time i played it i'd never skipped the intro and yeah right it's, it's yeah you quite amazing the, the, you gotta get the edge of soul to carry on you really do my heart something yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um and so that was the inspiration and and for all three of the titles it was you know hey we, we've got this budget um, what's the coolest thing we could do? And our creative director, Matt Bozon, um, you know, he's a huge anime fan and said, man, it'd be the coolest thing if Trigger could, you know, make animations for all the games. And he approached them and said, hey, we have this budget. Um, how much footage could you do? We want to do three one-minute intros for, for these games. And they said, um, for that budget, we could do one minute. And he went, okay, let's do two, two videos. <laughs> so they did two 30 second videos. So they did the, the, the animation for Shantae and they did the animation for Marvel Knights. And they went with a different studio for spider Swords. Um, but that one got a full minute, but it still got it, that, spider Swords has the eighties, uh, cartoon intro vibe, uh, and Marvel Knights and, uh, Shantae and the seven sirens have that studio trigger vibe. And I, I'm pretty sure the Shantae one premiered in front of, um, Chromere? I forget what it was called. It was it was Trigger's um, uh, firefighter anime movie. But yeah, I, I guess the the Shantae trailer played in front of it in theaters, which was pretty neat back when there were theaters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I was I was uh, I was focused on development at the time, so that was handled by Matt Bozon um, and and his his publishing group. And uh, basically, you know, I got to see sketches here and there, and I got to like get little. I got to see um updates over their shoulders and i got real excited and then it was just a matter of hey they sent the final one and, and you look at it and it's 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 uh just invigorating it was so neat and it, it was great too when we had all the voice acting um and we were we had all the voice actors in their studio and the video had just come in just before that so i got to show 
every single one of our voice actors the intro video and many of them do voice for anime and so they they had a blast with it because a lot of them are anime fans themselves so that was really neat awesome and your 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 tenure at way forward has uh, recently finished with you moving on to to another company um what would you say has been or whether it be a, a single game or a project or any anything in particular during your time at way forward what what have you been most proud of during your time uh, with way forward the thing i'm most proud of is the growth that i've had as a developer and as a adult you know needing to grow up <laughs> because i started at way forward in, in 2009 and i left uh just last month june uh, of 2021 so I, I was there for over 12 years and um there were a lot of ups and downs and way forward gave me the opportunity to start a family and really um fail at uh fail at running a team sometimes and needing to learn from that and giving me the, the, the space to be able to become better as a leader. And I value the respect I gained from my teams over the years. Cause early on, I, I didn't earn that respect. I, I was a jerky bossy director and it was awful for everyone. And, and I felt awful. And, and I had to, I had to learn the hard way that you can't, you can't be that. And I didn't even think I was that I had, I had to learn like, Oh no, you are being a jerk and you aren't taking other people's uh, emotions into account, even though you think you are. Um, but when I left, um, you know, I threw a pizza party. I said, Hey, you know, everyone that's vaccinated, can we have them come and have a pizza party? And, and like 60 people showed up and we had a bunch of pizza and I had people telling me like, like, I'm going to miss you so much. I've known you for so long now. And it's like, wow, this is crazy. And so it's, it's just, it's, it's not just the friendships. It's, it's the, it's the respect and trust that, that you've earned with someone. And it, and it's, it's a bond that is very hard to describe, but um, you know, it was, it was more than a job and it wasn't as cheesy as calling it a family, but it was, it was something in between. So that, that's the thing I'll take with me. There was always great, there was great projects, but you know, when I could walk away from a project knowing that my team was happy with the project, they were happy with the work that they had done, and they didn't, you know, they don't regret the time they put into it. They didn't feel like they wasted their their time, even when they had to do overtime, you know, uh, which we try to avoid. But you know, sometimes you have to do it, and you don't want to feel like, why did I spend my best years, you know, doing that? So it was that's what I that's what I take with me, and I, and I I miss everyone, but there's some really neat opportunities ahead, and um yeah that's that's that wow well thank you that was an incredible answer that i didn't expect but um <laughs> yeah wow that that, that and ducktails that and ducktails those two things <laughs> fair fair um so, so what is what is next for you austin i do see uh you've started with uh, another company uh, it's not one i'm familiar with so what what's next for you um well i am a creative director at genvid entertainment and we are basically revolutionizing interactive streaming. So, um, you know, I don't want to go into too much on here and take away the thunder from, you know, way forward to Marvel Knights. But, uh, you know, we're where it's still I think the company's been around for about five years. Um, the founders are ex Shinra um, people. They, they were running the Shinra um, group under Square Enix years back before it was shut down. And they have just some fascinating technology that's going to um, just build on 
on interactive uh, streaming and storytelling. And we've got some amazing things that are going to be coming in the future. Well, we look forward to seeing how that eventuates and, and following the development of that technology. Um, the the interesting thing I, I'd like to, to bring up to, to close things out is we, we happened to stumble across a, a gem of a blog post from you from 2012 uh, where you were discussing after working on Mighty Switch Force about the, the length of games, uh, particularly mm-hmm. uh, defending games with a shorter run length, which both Stephen and I are massive fans of nice, concise game experiences that respect your time. So we're certainly in the same boat there. Um, interestingly, to, to close this blog post out, you pose the question about what expectations around game length will be in 10 years time. And we figured this is pretty close to 10 years since that was penned. <laughs> so here's your chance, uh, Austin, uh, especially in light of subscription services like Apple Arcade and Xbox Game Pass, uh, where some people do view uh, sort of games are favoured that you know offer a retention and re- you know recurring play sessions and that sort of thing. What uh, what are your views on game length now? Wow, that that's that's great. You know, it I the moment you said you found that old blog post, I'm like, I know which one he's talking about. It's either that or me not being able to kill the buffalo in uh, Red Dead Redemption. But I haven't uh, seen that one. Well, yeah, yeah, it, Kotaku picked it up one time back in like 2010, and 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 uh, that was semi embarrassing. Um, we can discuss that another time, gentlemen. Sure. Safe space here. <laughs> but for, for 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 the game length one, um, I, I it's funny because the topic in defense of a short game where you get to experience the entirety of it is still an issue that comes up very often. Because I mean, games are obviously expensive, and you want to feel like you got your money's worth. But you know, the, the biggest takeaway for me from from sort of exploring that idea was you know is it better to pay you know uh a lot of money for something for a lot of content where you only see a little bit of it or a little bit of money where you see all of it you know and there's something that can seem unsatisfactory to oh i beat the game now what and i think that that still resonates today but their games today are there's a different there's a whole different um delivery model now with like games as a service and and you know, monthly updates and or weekly updates, especially, you know, on, on iOS devices. And, and, um, it's, it's, it's scary (laughs) because that's, that just, it just, to me, it seems like it's kind of overwhelming. And if, if I kind of see myself as a storyteller with games, I, I want to create worlds that people can explore and enjoy. And I guess there's a, a merit to, you know, having them giving people the opportunity to play something they can keep playing and keep enjoying. And and it it just becomes their own thing that could never end. Uh, But, you know, sometimes you get sick of it. And yeah, I don't have a good answer for this. This was, (laughs) this was too broad of a question. We sort of sprung it on you. It was a gotcha. It was a gotcha. Very much a a, a Pandora's box question, I think. Do you have any uh, idea how late it is here? I'm trying to go to sleep. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, I got work tomorrow. You guys are just enjoying your Friday. You're going to sign off and it's a virtual pub. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) We've we've been, we've been called out tremendously right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
As as you should be. No, but <laughs> seriously, I, everything with the game length is probably the same as it's always been, and and I'm just uh, I'm just you know I'm I'm curious to see where it's going to be another ten years from now because those ten years are going to sneak up on me yet again. I'm sure. So, um, but yeah, I agree. I, I love to play little indie games that I can just enjoy, get near the end, and just you know be happy. So, I, there's too many too many open world games. I love open world games, but I can't play more than one at a time. And I'm playing Fallout Four with my son and my wife, so. It, that's that's eating up so much of my weekends now. <laughs> yeah, that'll set you up for a while. <laughs> oh man, I lo- I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> good stuff. Well, you know, another you know another good game that's well worth checking out is Marble Knights, uh, as uh, we've discussed previously on the Mobile Arcade Club. So thank you very much, Austin, for being so generous with your time and chatting about your time working on Marble Knights and working with Way Forward. And, yeah, we wish you all the best with with what's next. And, yeah, we look forward to sharing this uh, with our listeners. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And, uh, yeah, thank you for for playing the arcade games. It's it's great. And um, I love your disposition. And and, uh, it it means a lot to, to know people are playing your game. So, Um, Thank you. I I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you had fun and maybe found something useful. If you did enjoy the show, we'd love it if you told a mobile game loving friend about it or gave us a review in Apple Podcasts. It all helps more people find the show. You can follow the show on Twitter at MArcadeClub, where we'll talk about games from upcoming episodes and each of us hosts are happy to chat gaming too. Our handles are in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and we'll chat again next time.